It's just after five o'clock and you are tuned in to KZMU Moab Community Radio. It's now time for This Week in Moab. I'm your host this evening, Molly Marcello, and I'm here with two guests already in the studio. Um, let's do a live mic check and see. Guests, please introduce yourselves. Joette Langanese, Mayor of City of Moab. And I'm Carly Castle. I'm the city manager for the city of Moab. Great. So Mayor Langanese and city manager Carly Castle are here today to um, talk about the active employment ordinance. There was a lot of excitement last week when it passed. Um, so listeners may have heard about this already. Um, this is giving a certain percentage of um, new multifamily developments in certain zones to the local workforce. Maybe giving isn't the right word. Um, please fill me in on that. Can we go over the ordinance, what this is, and a little bit of background first? Whoever wants to take that first. Sure, I'll, I'll start with some background. And you described the ordinance very well, Molly. That okay. was really great. Okay. You're right, it's not giving. It's, it's designating, giving. but same kind of idea. Uh, the background on this ordinance um, obviously comes from the tremendous need we have for local workforce housing in this community. It's That's not a surprise to anybody, and I don't think I have to make the case for mm-hmm. our listeners about why it's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, as a city in Utah, uh, Munis- Moab City is limited in what it can do to provide um, workforce housing or require developers to provide, um, and that's because a lot of our authority is preempted by state law. So, for example, you know, even last year during the legislative session, um, cities became prohibited from um, requiring inclusionary zoning below a certain AMI. Mm. Um, That's leading a lot of cities to try to get creative because the need still exists and the market isn't correcting the problem. So we took a different approach to simply require availability to local workforce um, rather than something like affordability or attainability. Right, okay. And the city took a step, um, I want to say in the fall or over mm-hmm. the winter, to um, sort of look at the data. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Because there was a lot of data um, supporting the ordinance. Sure. Yeah, we uh, contracted with an economics firm, BAE Urban Economics. Um, they've done a lot of work for us when it came to our Wahoo ordinance as well. And I think they help with our housing analyses generally. Um, they performed an analysis that evaluated what percentage of units we would need to make available in order to sustain our existing supply of workforce housing. So that's where that 42% came from, and eventually we dropped it to 33, and we can talk about why later. But um, that was their analysis. How do we kind of hold off the attrition of local workforce housing that is being turned into second homes? What, Mm -hmm. What additional do we need to build? And this was a process that was started, um, I want to say, in October mm-hmm. of 2021. Am I right? Okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay. Um, by the previous council. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that the council really, this current council really wanted to pass it in April, but then something happened. Joette, can you talk about that time? Yes. Okay. And so we had a pending ordinance document, which would allow developers would have to, they could be vested, but they would have to wait until this ordinance was passed before they could develop and go through the process. So that time period was running out. And when I got elected, it was like, we need to move this through. Let's Mm -hmm. get this started. 
So there were certain procedures that had to be followed, and one of them was we had to have a public hearing. Mm. And, and also we had to follow through with this study that we were doing that, right. that Carly just mentioned. And so we were all ready to go. We had our public hearing, and after the public hearing, we heard, and we also heard from folks in the audience that they were unhappy and that if we, you know, that we should really sit down and work with the Property Rights Coalition, the Home Builders Association, and the Utah Realtors Association because they didn't like what we were coming up with and they have great influence with our state legislatures. Mm -hmm. So we were very concerned about that and felt, you know, yeah, you know, we should be talking to them. This is an important part of the process. This is going to impact them and the constituents that they work with. And so let's take a pause and 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 ha start having meetings and collaborate with them and get their ideas right. and so that's what happened starting in april the council was still very they wanted to get this they wanted to get this passed and it took quite a bit of negotiation with them as well to just say please give us a little bit more time mm -hmm. and then finally last week it was just like we're we've done as much as we can this is where we're going to stop and this right. is what we're going to vote on so the original ordinance, um, it had that 42.5% right. um, number that was worked out in the data from that study. Mm -hmm. um, and the the biggest difference, of course, is that it's now 33% of new multifamily uh, development will be for the local workforce. But there are also a couple more concessions or compromises. Yeah. Sure. You want to do that? Or you want sure. To? Well, I think... I just wanted to mention that the negotiation and the conversation with that those stakeholders was really, really insightful and valuable. Right. I think it, okay. it it was helpful because we were getting the perspective of the community that needs to actually implement this ordinance. So we, we are concerned about some legislative pushback, but we also need the ordinance to work. Um, so I think that's what the council was trying to do in, in their negotiations of what actually do you need? How, how do we make this something that you can deliver? Mm -hmm. um, and so I found it really valuable. And, and, you know, not all no one is really happy with the compromise, which means it was a good compromise. Right. Um, but, yeah, we came up with about seven changes that are pretty substantial, I think. Um, uh, the percentage down to 33 percent, that's the, the designation requirement. Um, we've agreed to review the ordinance every two years, okay. um, and I know Mayor uh, Langanese has, has talked about really wanting to be honest about how effective it is every two years with mm -hmm. ourselves and see if it is actually delivering. Mm -hmm. um, sure. The deed restrictions sunset after 50 years. Um, there is what we call a parachute um, in case these units can't be rented after mm -hmm. a certain amount of time, the deed restriction would be lifted. Mm -hmm. um, the deed restriction is subordinate to a foreclosure, which was very important to lenders. Hmm. Really good feedback. I'm glad mm -hmm. we, we got that feedback. Um, we relaxed the design standards and parking requirements for these units, and we added about five feet of height mm -hmm. to, to these units to make them pencil a little better. Okay. And what was that process like to go through and negotiate on these different, you know, I would say creative, you know, bounds? Well, as Carly said, it was really insightful, you know, every, it was insightful and it's sometimes a little frustrating because every time we would meet, there would mm -hmm. be something new that they wanted us to consider. And uh -huh. honestly, you know, the things that they wanted to consider weren't bad ideas. And if it was, was, it would enable developers to make a pencil out, then why not try it and see? And with the, with the idea of reviewing it every two years, you know, if parts of it aren't working, we can relook at it and maybe rechange some of that language to make it work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the process was really quite rewarding, honestly. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the folks that we were working with, the Property Rights Coalition, Home Builders, 
were very grateful. Um, they were very grateful that we actually took the time. We probably met at least a half a dozen mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. um, and it, they, they seemed to appreciate it, and we really appreciated mm -hmm. it, too. It was kind of a, you know, something that we should probably do more often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting the sense that, like, taking the time to negotiate, you're saying that it ultimately made a stronger ordinance, or at least one that would be used mm -hmm. effectively. Um, that said, you know, you you were trying to get it done, Joette, in April, right? <laughs> um, because you were aware that that deadline was closing in, and now there's seven developments from April to August that this won't apply to. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, yeah, it's you know, we we were hoping that 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 didn't happen, but it did, mm -hmm. and hopefully these developers, and I know that our planning department has reached out to them, and that they may be willing to compromise a little bit and try to to maybe meet the spirit of the ordinance, but right. maybe not has, having to follow it 100%. Mm -hmm. Because there are things in there that are really good for a developer that they don't have the option. Mm -hmm. They don't have the option to reduce parking. They don't have the option to increase their height. Mm. And so, you know, so there are things that, that maybe they'd be willing to come back to the table if we can give them some concessions, right. that they would be willing to follow this ordinance because they would do get a little bit more mm -hmm. than what they have now, honestly. So even though it's not mandatory on those developments that came through during that time period, you're saying, well, perhaps we could take this as a voluntary thing. Right. Hey, would you be interested in complying with this ordinance or seeing how to get close to it? Right. Is that the idea? That's yeah. the idea. We were weighing a trade-off of having an ordinance that was more defensible and that might be able to live past this legislative session versus maybe being able to capture some developments that might, you know, be washed away even yeah. after the legislative session anyway yeah. the, the the message we got was pretty clear that mm -hmm. it, it was upsetting the development community and they were going to take steps to to um do away with our authority to to implement such an ordinance so right. um not a perfect situation mm -hmm. um as it is sometimes when we're dealing with the legislature. But you were weighing those two things. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, where we are now, this is a question that I've had. You know, is this a unique ordinance for the state? It is. It is. As far as we can find, there's mm -hmm. really no other ordinance like it. You know, and that's what makes everybody so nervous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like we just don't know what the impacts right. are. And I think yeah. Randy Day made a really good point at the uh -huh. meeting uh, last week. It's just like, let's just try it and mm -hmm. see what happens because nobody really knows. And he even said that. I don't, we don't know. The yeah. folks that we were working with, they, you know, it's just like that's the unknown, right. the fear of the unknown. So mm -hmm. we're just hoping that we have the opportunity to try it, see what happens change it if we need to, mm -hmm. but just let us get it on the table and, and get it moving. Right. Okay. I'm going to pull some um, language from the ordinance itself because I thought it was pretty, pretty strong. It, it basically says that without this sort of percentage requirement for the local workforce, it's reasonably debatable that free market trends would imminently remove attainable housing from the Moab community. So like the pressure is on mm -hmm. <laughs> for our local government and also other housing organizations who can contribute to solving this problem. Yeah, that was even acknowledged in our negotiations with those stakeholders mm -hmm. who who did say, no, you're right, no matter how much you build, they're all going to become second homes. That, mm -hmm. that is what the market mm -hmm. is going to right. want. Yeah. Um, and I, th I think that was kind of a, at a moment when we started to move the conversation a little better because right. they realized the the desperate need, you know, how unusual Moab is because we, we don't have a bedroom community. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the fact that mm -hmm. the second home industry is just sort of sucking the life out of what makes this place so special, and that is the service industry. 
Right. So, and they did. You know, that was really nice. They um, they recognize. You know, we they got to the point where it's just like, yeah, you know, Moab is unique. This is different from any other community because we're like mm-hmm. in this little island mm-hmm. here in the desert. We don't. We can go to Thompson. We can go to LaSalle, Monticello. But then doing that kind of impacts those communities negatively too. Right. And so the recognition that you know Moab is unique and we need to try to help them out. Their big concern was other communities doing the same thing sure yeah and you know and i know that's a challenge because other communities may want to do the same thing we have no control over that though and so Uh it doesn't feel in our minds we shouldn't be harmed because of that because we you know we're trying to do what's best for our community other communities are going to want to do the same and so we shouldn't be held back or stopped from doing something because of that concern and and we don't even know that i mean there's no you know like carly said there's not you know Communities up in the Wasatch Front aren't going to want to do this, you know, maybe Park City or Springdale, but right. it's really impacting the gateway communities that have access to our public lands and, you know, ski resorts and that kind of thing. Right. And like you said, this is, um, I mean, it's a, an experiment. I mean, it's a well-researched experiment, but it's an experiment, so you're going to revisit it. Mm-hmm. I did have a question about the parachute clause, though. Sure. <laughs> okay, tell me more <laughs> about it, because, you know, I think it's, um, forgive me if I'm wrong, it's the workforce, uh, or the active employment housing units don't um, get rented within, like, 120 days. Mm-hmm. Um, can you expand upon that? Yeah, again, Molly, you do have a very firm grasp on this, <laughs> okay. I should say. Okay. <laughs> um, no, that's exactly right. So if, if someone puts... Uh, a, a unit up to rent and they do it at a certain AMI uh-huh. as defined by some federal standards and they demonstrate that they cannot find someone to occupy the house uh-huh. within that 120 days then the city will do an evaluation and likely lift the deed restriction if it's all in good faith and, and we right. find it to be true. Um, the concern with that um, what we were trying to avoid is alienating people from the property. The, the property becomes worthless and, mm. and, um, and therefore you know might violate some legal standards or Mm -hmm. some other concerns we also don't want property just simply laying empty and if truly someone cannot in good faith find a renter in 120 days in this in this community it maybe means the market has shifted that maybe there isn't that demand anymore but as of right now, I'm sure you're not concerned about there not being no. demand. No, no. For certain AMIs. Mm-hmm. And, and right. the reason we did the 120 days is because uh-huh. there's that window of time between December and March. Right. Where you can find housing here if you're mm-hmm. still living here. You right. know, the, the issue is for people, the seasonals that come in in March and then they their stay until October. And so we wanted to, we didn't. We didn't want somebody to use that particular time frame and it's just like, hey, mm-hmm. well, for two months we tried and we sure. couldn't find anybody and nobody wants to rent in December right. and January, right. but come March, mm-hmm. you're going to get a renter. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we picked that period of time specifically because see. we see we see the downtime, right. but we know that the issue is right. still there. Okay, so you you don't want them to say, okay, well, we couldn't find somebody for just December. Right. You know, right. Well, right. you couldn't find somebody for, for months. It's a little bit notable. Right, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Well, we're speaking with um, Carly Castle, the city manager of Moab, and Joette Langanese, the mayor of Moab, about the active employment ordinance that passed last week. How are you feeling now that it's passed, both of you? Oh. I'm so relieved. <laughs> it, it, I think everybody is. I mean, it was it was felt really good to everybody. It's just like we got it to mm-hmm. a place that we can all support, mm-hmm. and um, it's done for now. And we hope that it works. We really want it to work. Yeah. yeah. 
I think relieved, but also acknowledging that the fight not might not be over. Right. Um, I think we we got some some consensus from some of our stakeholders, but maybe others were dissatisfied. Um, I think we compromised as much as we could to make the ordinance still effective, mm-hmm. um, but maybe more compromises would have made it worthless to even implement. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think a, a lesson I've learned is whenever a city sort of creates a sort of standard or starts addressing development, it's usually a fight that lasts for years. Um, And so whether it's through litigation or at the legislature, we probably haven't seen the end of of the controversy surrounding it at the the legislature, but. I just kind of wanted to clarify too, because we know that the county has a similar ordinance with the high density overlay which is 80%, and the difference between this and that ordinance, not, you know, theirs is 80%, ours is 33, is that you have to own it. Mm -hmm. The owner has to live and work here, whereas ours, you don't. Somebody from California can buy it, and if they want to retire in 10 years, they can rent it out, you know, and do that. But Mm -hmm. So ours is a little different in that way. It's just whoever lives in the unit has to be actively working and living in Grand County, but the owner doesn't. So that's a big, significant difference, I think, in our ordinance and in the right. one that the county's putting out there now. I'm glad you mentioned that because they are looking at other ways to get housing in the county. <laughs> do you have any advice for the county? <laughs> have you been through the process? And you we do? shared it with them oh, already. You did. Okay. Do the same thing we did. Yeah. Engage these guys. Collaborate. Yeah. Get them to understand what the issues are for the Grand County as a whole. Right. And, and get them to the table right off the top. You know, don't. Don't do anything too quick, you know, because it's going to take some time and they need to know that you're listening to them and you're paying attention to their concerns. Mm -hmm. And so we've shared that with them and they got, I think they understand that and they know the importance of it. Right. Um, You know, Carly, you mentioned that you don't think that we'll see the the end of this controversy, but do you feel that the ordinance, you know, you've done the due diligence to get it to this point where you've done the best you can Mm -hmm. um, with all parties? Do you feel that way? Oh, I absolutely do. Yeah, I think that we were really reasonable in the negotiations. The council definitely heard what those stakeholders Mm -hmm. were saying. They considered it. I don't think it was their ideal ordinance, but they were really pragmatic and collaborative and intense, and um, I, I don't know that we could have done anything else and still had an ordinance that does what we need it to do. You know, I think I think we're not going to hear positive from the Property Rights Coalition and the mm-hmm. build the Home Builders Association, mm-hmm. Utah Realtors. I was really happy Randy Day spoke. And, and gave his perspective, which was, to me was a positive one. You know, mm-hmm. he was like, I'm still concerned, but but let's give it a try. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I'm hopeful that that's a representative of the people that we've been working with. And I don't think we're ever going to hear them say, yeah, that was mm-hmm. great. We really work <laughs> together and we feel uh-huh. good about this. But I feel in my gut uh-huh. that they feel they're okay with right. where we went. But right. as Cardi said, Carly said, we're going to still have to fight, and we're always uh-huh. going to, you know, for our community. That's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I feel kind of confident. I say that now. Well, <laughs> right. Talk to me in January. <laughs> sure. But I feel like they, that, that they uh-huh. feel good about our process as right. well, and hopefully with the county engaging, they'll feel good about the community as, whole, as a whole because right. Grand County is Moab. You know, there's, you can't really separate them. When you hear people talk about Grand, they don't mm-hmm. talk about Grand County, they talk about Moab. Right. So it's important for the two entities mm-hmm. to work together with, with a solution that's going to work for everybody. It was good. It was a good mm-hmm. process. We're glad that this part of the process is over. Mm-hmm. And 
um, we'll just keep fighting for our community when it comes to the housing situation here. Well, thank you guys so much for um, spending time with our listeners and with me. Do we know it, when the first development is going to come through? Or is it anyone's guess? We don't have anything yet. <laughs> it's, I think it's anyone's okay. guess. Maybe Corey knows. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So wait and see. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's going to be fun to watch um, when that does come. Mm-hmm. Anything else to say about um, Moab City's new active employment housing ordinance? I, I think that, you know, this is one kind of arrow in our quiver. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly isn't going to solve all of the housing pro- problems here in town. We have some other options, too, that we're pursuing. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll just sort of see how it, how it goes. I'm really excited about it. Okay, well, um, one more minute. Um, I forgot to ask you, what are those other options that you're looking at? Thank <laughs> you for mentioning that, I knew you were, were, like, were going to say that. That's right. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we have a lot of exciting uh, annexations that are on the horizon with developers who are very willing to uh, designate big percentages of their developments to local workforce, um, which is an encouraging sign about our our existing ordinance, right? It's like there is an appetite for this. This does pencil out in some scenarios. We have a lot more leverage when it comes to annexations. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, looking at development agreements and similar instruments where the city can bargain more than um, when we're talking about something like a by right use, which was Mm -hmm. what we're kind of grappling with with this ordinance. It's a little more delicate in that case, but... Okay, so some potentially big annexations. Anything else on the table that you're thinking of right now related to housing and uh, the workforce? Oh, big one, your visioning mm-hmm. process. I know that housing and the workforce was just one of the subjects that recently happened um, during the fo- focus groups, but that's also a major um, a major thing that's been happening mm-hmm. at Moab City as well. Yeah, we're wrapping that up this fall. Um, we're going to have the future summit, I believe, in September. Okay. Um, mid-September, and then a presentation on the findings and the strategic action plan following that. So probably October, November. Yeah, really, really exciting. It'll help inform probably affordable housing next steps. We came up with some other ideas in our strategic planning when it comes to um, some other zoning changes we might make, Mm -hmm. but I think um, we are kind of waiting for that to be completed to inform the council's decision about where we go. We'll be back up when okay. that happens. Yeah. Well, Invite us. Well. We'll, we'll definitely want to share that information with the community as well. Well, thank you. My main guests, Mayor Joette Langanese and Moab City uh, Manager Carly Castle. All right. It is just after 530 and you are tuned in to Moab Community Radio. It's This Week in in Moab, and I'm your host, Molly Marcello, on your radio dial at 106.7 FM. And um, kind of an interesting segue here, because as it relates to supporting our community, we have Moab Community Child Care Representatives in the studio. Hi, I'm Rob Walker. I'm chair of the board of Moab Community Child Care. Yeah, and my name is Taylor Rutherford, and I am the director of outreach. All right, Rob and Taylor, thank you so much for being up here. I realized just before, um, you know, we went on air that this is the first time I've had um, Moab Community Child Care up here. Um, so would you mind tell us, telling us a little bit of, about your organization? You know, this is this is a relatively new nonprofit. Yes and no, in that right. there's a lot been happening lately. Okay. The organization, we got our charter, um, our nonprofit status in 2018. And um, Audrey Graham was leading the charge for that. And as you all know, she was leading the charge for the land trust as well. And so I think there was more attention to that. And then COVID happened 
And so not a lot was going on with the, with the child care nonprofit. Um, I was on the board of the land trust with Audrey for two years, and that's how I heard about the child care opportunity when I asked her what was going on mm-hmm. or what ideas she had to solve the issue. And um, so I was looking for a bigger thing to get involved with at that time. And COVID was kind of winding down, dare I say. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and she mentioned to me about the federal subsidies available. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of saw opportunity to bring money to Moab from the federal government, from the state, um, and attack a, a big problem that no one was really doing anything about. So we hired our, I feel like really the things kind of started to kick into gear and we hired our center director, Tati mm-hmm. Reynolds, and that was probably February of this year. Okay, February of this year. And then now I'm seeing like um, community childcare, you know, accepting infants. Um, I'm seeing you guys all over the place. Um, so what's happening now? You got a big grant, right? Um, to kind of get started. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, we got a $100,000 grant from Grand County Economic Development, thanks to August Granith and Ben Alters, you know, um, advocacy for us and the commission's support of what we're doing being a new organization, you know, that's really, um, that means a lot. And we'll certainly try to live up to that, um, what we promised. Um, the grant um, is to help the existing providers in town, um, mostly with uh, their needs for childcare. Um, so I think once the, the money came from a, a grant, um, a state grant, so there was kind of this opportunity to use this money in an interesting way. And I was actually on this board with those guys, and we kind of came up with this idea that we could use it for um, for supporting the child care ecosystem in town. So, yeah, and then there's this other grant that we just recently got through, it's like COVID stabilization grant through federal government money. And, you know, over, over the next year, that could be over another $100,000 that will be coming into our organization that we can use to, you know, pay our staff, have really great conditions for families and their kids in terms mm-hmm. of like ratios of caregivers to, to kids, as well as kind of tackle issues like infant care, which is more costly mm-hmm. um, and sure. harder to do. So there's been a lot going on lately and it's been really fun. Our staff, we now have five full-time staff and hoping to add another one or two part-time staff. Wow. Okay. Um, and to back up just a minute, you know, when we say when you say support the childcare ecosystem, what does that look like um, on the ground? How does Moab Community Childcare plug into that? Yeah, I'll start this off, and then I'll turn it over to Taylor, um, our director of outreach. Um, so there's about 11 providers of childcare in in, in the Grand County and in, in the Moab Valley, and um, there's about 130 spots, full-time spots available. There's a few more part-time spots. And we met with all those providers, or almost all of those providers, um, during the kind of the grant process to understand how we could help them or what support they needed. And um, we came up with a bunch of different ideas to do that. And the main one was that most providers um, are making good money. I'd say most, maybe not all, but the job is very intense. Mm-hmm. And it's a job that's kind of like a binary hard to turn off where mm-hmm. you're opening up your home often to a bunch of kids, to 10 to 20 kids. And you have to have hours for parents. So they're, you know, seven to five or, mm-hmm. or more. So it's 50 hours. You're cleaning after the day for a few hours. You're doing paperwork. It's a, it's a, it's a regulated business because it's really important that kids are taken care of. Right. They're not just like random products that mm-hmm. you don't need to have. There's a lot of regulation too. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, a lot of what we do is provide staffing assistance and helping them just make their lives easier because we found that most wanted to hire staff, but there are different reasons why they can. And the main one is because there are ratio requirements. So we all know how hard it is to keep employees in Moab. So if you were to hire a child care staff and double your capacity from just you to another person, and you know, then if that person doesn't show up to work, you're out of compliance with state ratios. Mm. So, um, okay. but, but specifically there's some cool stuff that we've been doing. And so if you want to hear some more from Taylor about, yes, about that. Yes, please, Taylor. Yeah. So what have you been doing as outreach? Yeah, so we started with finding the needs of exactly what they wanted. Um, we held some round tables a few months ago and had invited all the providers and lots of people from the community. And we were like, what's going on? And they basically all said, we're burnt out, but we love the job, but mm-hmm. it's hard and you can't find the staff. And so... Um, me, Rob, and Tati had made our ways and met with all of the existing providers within Moab and asked them personally, went to their homes and got to meet them and asked them what they wanted. So then really shortly after, we jumped in and we started going into their homes and offering three to six hours weekly being with them and watching their kids and letting them run to the grocery store and go do their groceries. Mm. I've done grocery pickups for people and gone and unloaded their groceries. I've provided the, I did their lunches for them and cooked for them. We've just done a lot within the community. We've went after hours and deep cleaned because with COVID and daycares, Mm -hmm. kids are sick very often, which means it just is a big cycle of kids getting sick. So we went into their homes after hours and cleaned all of their toys and made sure everything was wiped down and cleaned and individually scrubbed through the toys, threw away toys that were broken and put pieces back together because it's really easy for things to get messy. So we've just been within their homes and we also, I do a lot of flyers for people and so Montessori preschool was looking for an after care te- an after care teacher mm-hmm. and she was having a hard time finding someone that would be a really good fit and she contacted me and she was like can you help and I said of course and there's an awesome two thousand dollar bonus that the government is giving to people right now for caregivers and as long as you have your licensed background check so on the flyer as an added incentive we said if you can start next week we can give you this $2,000 bonus. And she said she found an amazing person. Wow. So just being able to help existing providers make sure right. they're running functionally and as best as they can is really important. So literally, like, plugging in from, like, I will pick up your groceries to um, let's find you some more staff. Now, Moab Community Child Care, I know, is also gearing up to provide its own child care service. Is that correct? Um, can you tell me about that? Yes. Yes, sure. Um, yeah, we are... We have opened a center at the Lutheran Church, mm-hmm. and we're not religiously affiliated. Um, they graciously let us use their space rent-free because they have just their services on Sunday. So we just got our state license recently. We have staff in place. We're finalizing our curriculum, which we're kind of calling like our promise to parents in terms of what we'll do to help the kids' developments, development. and. Um, yeah, we're going to be providing care to infants you know, age, well, and up to three-year-olds because mm-hmm. that's the biggest need that we found in the community. And so I'd encourage, yeah, if anyone has knows anyone to get in touch with us, they can send us an email at info at moabchildcare.org. And, yeah, the um, I, I should I would like to talk a little bit about the federal incentives for individuals because sure. they're really great and people don't really know about them. Um Child care is expensive, as everyone knows, because you need to have people that are watching your kids and 
need a lot of them there for you can't just have one person for can't just be like a, a you know fifth grade class where you can mm-hmm. have one teacher mm-hmm. so for infants you know we're we have you know four infants to every one caregiver mm-hmm. so there are really great federal subsidies available right now so for so for most families in Moab or many families in Moab care will be essentially free if they qualify for these subsidies and the ratios so for instance a few common ones would be um, a family of three who makes collectively under $62,000 a year would qualify. Both people have to work, both parents, uh, 25 hours mm-hmm. a week, and then one has to work 15. So it's not that difficult to meet mm-hmm. that. And then a family of four, it's $73,000, mm-hmm. and it goes up from there. So, mm-hmm. And you just apply by going to the Department of Workforce Services website, and there's a link on our mm-hmm. website. Um, we'd encourage everybody to do that. And if they have any questions, you know, you can, they can reach out to us. Um, and we can help them with that process. But that's one thing that I think people don't realize that they might qualify for these subsidies because otherwise they look at the price tag and they say, you know, the cost of caring for an infant unsubsidized will be over $1,000 a month. Wow. Okay. So what does that look like? I mean, obviously you just broke down the, you know, different income qualifications, but what what could that look like for a family of four, for example? Like how much would childcare be? Oh, uh, a family of four with, with two infants unsubsidized Mm -hmm. that would be at least two thousand dollars a month Mm -hmm. but subsidized uh for us it'll it would be essentially it'll be certainly under fifty dollars a month wow yeah we have to our prices will be a little above the subsidy Mm -hmm. because we're not allowed to get the you know we can only get that we want to make sure we get that Mm -hmm. and you know with the average income the median income in grand county is fifty two thousand dollars fifty two thousand dollars a year you know we're we think a lot will qualify for that. And we're hopeful for that because that's money coming into town that wouldn't have been here otherwise. Right. That's why I got excited about this. And how does that make you feel, Taylor? Because I noticed that your face got excited when <laughs> we talked about the, the subsidy for to provide, you know, this type of childcare for people who really need it and who may, maybe otherwise couldn't afford it. Yeah, it's super exciting coming from someone like me who had a kid two years ago and had no options because Mm -hmm. we didn't make enough money. And I certainly did not know about the subsidies. And I moved to Moab and Audrey, who's on the board, actually runs this little toddler time at the Center Street Gym. And she introduced us and to me and Tati. And we were talking and she looked over and she was like, do you guys want a job? (laughs) And we were like, "Uh, no, because we can't afford childcare. She's like, what if it's within childcare? And I was like, that's actually a really good idea. And so uh-huh. Tati ended up applying, and then I ended up applying. Wow. And we started learning more about it, and I started telling friends. And even I didn't realize how many people didn't know about it other than just me because yeah. we held these open houses. And every time we'd start asking people questions about, like, oh, like, what is your income? And they'd be blown away that they could basically get this for almost free and at our last open house we sat down and helped a few people actually apply for it with Mm -hmm. them and walk them through the process because I had done the same thing and so I was able to walk them through and it was just it can be overwhelming when you give this person a giant list of things they have to do and sometimes people would rather just not get child care and not have to fill out the big scary form on the (laughs) website but offering to help them was definitely a big option and walking them through and I've been on a few phone calls with parents that came and walking them through it as well Mm -hmm. and it's awesome to see, especially here in Moab, where we have seasonal workers, that if you're a seasonal worker, you can still get child care regardless because wow. we're qualified for that. 
I want listeners to know that there was recently an article in the Modes and News that I thought was really informative about Moab Community Child Care, and that was one in one of their recent issues. And in that, they said that there are 130 full-time child care spots currently in um, the Valley, but the Department of Workforce Services estimates a demand for 465 spots for kids under six. So I wonder, are people just not, you know, like you, like you weren't able to get a job because you didn't have childcare. Like, what are people doing for childcare? Yeah, I was lucky enough to work at the rec center and Mm -hmm. they let me bring my child. But that was the only type of job that was really other than cleaning that you could sustain. And it was stressful. (laughs) There was lots of times where I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. It's not working. Mm -hmm. But luckily it worked out. And yeah, offering way more childcare is definitely a big thing for people. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think a lot. I mean, every situation is different. What I've noticed is that everyone is kind of, you know, um, they've patched together a thing that works for them in terms of, oh, my friend helps on this day. I work right. this job part time, or they work a remote job. They do a job where they're doing customer service on the phone so they can be with their with their kids um, at home. Um, so maybe like uh, which would be to be lower. Um, options for them than if they could get a job away from the home in terms mm-hmm. of like income wise. But I think, yeah, I mean, there's a, a I think it's a hundred kids every year are born in Grand County at, at the hospital. Wow. Here. And there's about a hundred kids at every grade level. Yeah. So when you think about it and most parents to live in Moab to make it work, you probably both need to work, you know? So you probably have a lot of families that have, you know, maybe one provider and then one is staying home and you know, obviously you hear a lot about all the stress that families here have with trying to make ends meet mm-hmm. with the cost of housing. Mm-hmm. You know, but there are these jobs available. So, you know, one thing that might help and one thing that I, you know, was pitching to the economic development is that, you know, this could help with the workforce shortages and might be able to have some people that would want to go outside of the home to work, give right. them an option to do that. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of segueing into this question of how childcare is part of economic development, um, or in how childcare is part of, I don't know, community, even healthcare. So can you guys talk about that? Have you thought about that? Yeah, and in terms of economic development, I mean, when that person can now go to work, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be earning wages. Um, being being a homemaker, you know, you're not earning wages. It's still, still certainly, obviously, a job and a lot of work. But in terms of, you know, generating um, extra income and the way we me- measure economic activity, you know, it's not right. is, is highly valued. Um, so, um, yeah, it's definitely infrastructure that's needed to, to allow people to try to you know, earn enough money to, to live here and to stay here. And I'm, I'm sure you probably know examples of people that, you know, when they have kids, they move back home because they mm-hmm. need support mm-hmm. um, ch- with child care. So that was right. part of the other idea is helping to make this, you know, verdant valley in the middle of nowhere somehow inhabitable. Things sort of make it sustainable for people to, sure. to live in and stay here and not have to leave. Sure. Again, listener, we're with um, Rob Walker and Taylor Rutherford of Moab Community Child Care. You were saying how um, you support current current childhood ecosystem, and then you're also building out this child care service. So how are you going to do these two things? Yeah, let me start, and then Taylor, right. okay. t- Taylor, take, Taylor take us home. Okay. Yeah, um, I think once I heard about this grant, it was I, changed, I, I talked to the board and said, I think we can broaden our mission. And I think and it sort of clicked. Right. And 
you know, initially it was, well, how are we going to fit in? Are we going to be competing with other providers mm-hmm. as another center? And how is that communication going to go? And then once we we were, when we thought, oh, we'll support new uh, new providers and so forth. And then once we kind of realized that the existing providers, it's probably going to be, you know, they're stressed out. There's it's almost easier to lose an existing provider, right? Probably than mm-hmm. to get a whole new person through the the hurdles of mm-hmm. getting licensed. So that was the the first idea. It was so we have like a two prong kind of mission, and we have you know five employees growing to larger in terms of. It's supporting the existing providers. Mm-hmm. There's a really cool grant as well um, that the state has for um, quality, improving your quality as a provider. So we're going to be providing you know, basic child care support services in terms of watching kids, picking up groceries. But we're also going to do more professional services, help them qualify for grants and things like that. So we're going to help them improve their quality and make more money doing that. And we're going to help them try to stay in business by providing support and you know, where possible, help them expand. We've already done that a little bit um, in terms of, you know, we have some money available for grants for them to help defray the cost. So we have that side, Mm -hmm. which Taylor is in charge of as the director of outreach. And we have those, call it 11 major customers, you know, Mm -hmm. that we're going to serve their needs. Mm -hmm. And those are, and that's highly subsidized by that grant. That's, we make, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the other side is, you know, we're going to create new centers, which, you know, some will run and, I mean, we're going to run this infant center because we got a grant to do so. And also infant centers are harder to make work financially. But we're also meeting with providers in town that want to start daycare. So if, so listener, if you're, if you're out there, you know, you can make very good money being a daycare provider in your home. It's a very tough job. But if you love being with kids and you have a kid and say you don't, you're like, I can do two birds and one stone. I can watch my kid. I can watch others. I can make more money, mm-hmm. you know. We're here to help, and we want to help you through that process. There's money we can help you with that process and mentorship. You know, we've got already connected people together, which is pretty cool. It's a lot of good support. So I think in some ways it's a broad mission, but it's also pretty focused. Mm-hmm. We're, all we're doing is that, mm-hmm. you know, supporting right. child care providers. We're going to help you know, Beacon as well because they do amazing work, you know, and that is it's a part-time child care but they have some issues with staffing right now they'll have some open positions i know wow. so okay. we're going to help provide do it help them support what they do because that's part of our mission um so yeah taylor like how does that work for you so they kind of created this little idea of helping hands and then got that money from the county well the city and then when we ran with it, I'm going to continue to be the director of outreach. And like he was saying, there is that quality grant. It's called the CCQS. And a lot of providers had heard about it and they just don't know a lot about it because when you're owning your own daycare, you don't have a lot of time to sit on a computer and research free money from the government <laughs> and to be able to stay up with the parameters mm-hmm. of the guidelines that you have to stay to be the quality grant. Right now in Moab, no one has that quality rating and my goal is to eventually get everyone to have that quality rating because when I sat down and read the paperwork I met multiple times with the person who's the specialist she's in price her name's Diana Olson and I sat down with her and I talked to her about it and researched and when I started going in the homes of the daycare I'm able to see how they run and how close they actually are to getting the quality grant because they already have the books and the learning centers and the food program and they have all these things it's just a matter of making sure your ducks are in their row so when the person comes down to check to see where the things are you know where they are you know what to say and you can get that quality rating which gives additional money per kid per month 
back to the provider. So they're going to be more money. And it's really a good thing. And it's going to be a big boost to people when they can make a couple extra thousand dollars a month just on having this quality rating. Mm. Amazing. Um, so Moab Community Child Care, again, um, supporting existing child care providers um, and also um, creating an infant child care service. How do people get in touch with you again? Give us that email. Give us a phone number in case, you know, how many spots do you have at the infant child care? Sure. Yeah, we are actively enrolling infants. So the best way to, to get on the list and to hear from us is to send us an email at info at Moab childcare.org that you can also just go to our website as well but send an email include the date of birth of your child and the time you need care for and um yeah and then we'll get you we'll get you get you going this is really exciting like you said at the top you know This has been an idea in the community for quite some time. Audrey Graham, another one of her amazing ideas. But in the last year or so, it's really um, taken off, probably thanks to your leadership, Rob, and, you know, thanks to this great team. Taylor, how long have you been working with them? Yeah, so I had my first interview in February and I was hired shortly afterwards. So Uh we've just been getting it rolling getting it rolling anything else before we go um to, to let our listeners know about your organization or how it's going to work or anything you're excited about <laughs> i'm just super excited because it's really awesome to see the kind of co-workers that we're going to be working with mm. everyone is so insanely qualified for this job we our director has a bachelor's degree within social work and she is just amazing at what she does mm-hmm. We, I have an education in early childhood education, as well as working with AmeriCorps, which I know we have it here in the lab. I've been working with them before and just super excited. Tati's also, our director is also bilingual. So that's really mm-hmm. awesome to have for families who are worried about that. Yeah. We have an employee who was a teacher at the elementary school here and another one who has a master's degree in early childhood education. Like we're all just so well-rounded and we all work so well together that it's super exciting to like see all of these ideas that we never thought would happen just Mm -hmm. kind of fireworks up and making everything Mm -hmm. the best it can be and helping all of our providers already with their awesome like expertise and things wonderful rob anything you're excited about i would just say that the the speed at which we've been running is because People keep giving us water at every mile <laughs> yeah. and cheering us on, and this, this support's been awesome. Yeah. And you know the team is great, but everybody I talk to, and we've got I could list names and that have helped us out in different ways. But it's cool. It's like an issue that everyone knows is important. And what's great about it is that it's a little easier to work on and a little less contentious than say affordable housing that you were here talking about a little earlier mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I feel really lucky to be a part of, be part of it. It's been really fun for me. Yeah. I think everybody, you know, especially parents, parents of young, young kids, they have to make those tough decisions because they don't know if, if childcare is available to them, if it's affordable to them. And it sounds like this organization is here to at least talk to parents and figure something out and mm-hmm. also support existing providers. Do you think it's going to make a dent in our child care need? Well, we, we already we already have. Okay. Yeah. So the, the 130 spots, mm-hmm. our center is licensed for 28. We helped another provider go from 10 to 23. Wow. We're helping another provider go from 8 to 16. Mm-hmm. We're talking to another provider who's hoping to open a daycare center in our home. So, you know, I, I guess 
that is a very large increase. And I think, you know, the number you mentioned, the, the, the 465, that would be a probably theoretical, and a lot of people are going to have to, that's not going to happen all at once. Um, sure. It's sort of more of knowing that the options available, and then people can think, does it make sense for their needs to go with, with child care? Mm-hmm. The other things, too, we'd, we'll, we're, we hope that, you know, we'll be able to try to offer other services like after-hours care, like weekend care, um, to have those options available since we have the funding to, to kind of try those things out. So I think... I, I think this is going to be an easier issue to see a, a, an improvement in. Um, I, I guess I shouldn't, shouldn't make that a relative statement. <laughs> sure. You're confident. You I'm have confident. some confidence right now. <laughs> we've, already, we've already made yeah. a big improvement in the availability of child uh-huh. care, I think, with what's, what's currently sure. opening up. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you all so much. Um, the website is... Moabchildcare.org. Moabchildcare.org.